Well, today's program has got a tremendous amount of updates and information, so hang on. This is going to be quite a ride. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. So many things that I want to share with you today on the program. An update on the storm, how it affected Florida, how it affected the radio station we are on in Florida. And for those that are concerned, how we made out and my family, who actually does live on the west coast of Florida, how they did. And so I'll be sharing some of that. Got a few news stories that need to be shared as well. Some updates about this program, about this ministry. And I really want to reach out to you to to get some of your thoughts uh, on things that we can do that I'm working on right now. So let me just begin with the update in terms of the storm, Hurricane Ian that hit Florida. Now, I know there's a lot of noise on the TV, especially in mainstream media and the bankrupt, intellectually bankrupt media like MSNBC and CNN, trying to tie all of this to climate change nonsense. And and every time I listen to one of these blowhards just bloviating all of this noise and nonsense, it makes me want to scream at a television set. And I'm doing my best to keep my blood pressure under control. And I'm going to share some audio clips that maybe you didn't get a chance to hear. Uh, because we were not on the air on Thursday of last week or Friday. And even though we may have gotten back on a little bit on Saturday and a few places, a lot of you didn't get a chance to hear the radio program I did uh, for Thursday and Friday. And so I'm going to share just a couple of things about that today. A lot of people don't understand hurricanes and how they impact especially states like Florida and the Gulf states in particular, and many on the East Coast to a degree. We have a family member who lives on the West Coast of the United States. And they think anytime there's a hurricane that's coming to Florida, the entire state is being destroyed, which is simply not true. I have lived in Florida since 1998. I have seen several hurricanes and their impact. And it is not the entire state. It's hard to explain to somebody that it is like a nine or 10 hour drive from Miami to like Pensacola. It is a big state. And even though the state's only not that wide, it is pretty long. And hurricanes, while their cloud structures can go out hundreds of miles, devastating winds don't. Now, I look at what happened in this storm. And I'm just going to give you some personal perspective. I have been very familiar with Fort Myers, Florida since around 1990-91. When I was working for Toccoa Falls College, and now we're talking, what, 32 years ago, 
hard to believe where his 32 years gone. The college acquired a radio station in Fort Myers, a non-commercial FM WJYO. And we operated that station for a number of years. And so in the 1990s, I, I made a number of trips to, to Fort Myers, Florida. First to build studios and then some upgrades at the transmitter site. And then adding a second radio station in the market in a little town called LaBelle, which is, you know, about a 45-minute drive away. So I spent a lot of time in Fort Myers. I flew into the RSW, which is the regional Southwest Florida airport. And I know Naples, and I've learned Estero and all those communities. And then in 1998, I answered a call to ministry that took me to a church in Sarasota, Florida, And in trying to find housing, my wife and I ended up getting a home in Venice, Florida, just about 15, 20 minutes south of Sarasota. And so during those years, prior to moving to Florida, I was spending a lot of time going to Fort Myers. And after we moved there, I spent a lot of time from Fort Myers all the way up to Tampa with a lot of time being spent in communities like Sarasota, uh, Nokomis, Venice, Northport, Port Charlotte, all of that region. I know it intimately well. My daughter, my daughter lives in Venice, Florida. I have a granddaughter, now a great-grandson, that live in Northport, Florida. And so obviously... We were very concerned watching this storm develop and not knowing what path it would take. Early on in the storm, you know, it could have gone to the East Coast. It could have, it could have gone anywhere. It could have gone to New Orleans for all we knew. And so we were watching that storm, anticipating that we may have to make a trip, especially if it should come up the East Coast because we still have a home in Florida. And I never really expected to see the West Coast hit like it was. I really honestly didn't. And of course, all the prediction models, as it became apparent it was going to head to the Gulf of Mexico, everybody, as they have always said for the last 25 years, it's got to be heading to Tampa. It's going to Tampa. Tampa's going to get nailed. You watch. And just like Hurricane Charlie 18 years ago, it came into southwest Florida, not Tampa. This storm came even more south than Charlie did. Charlie came into Port Charlotte, and this storm came in about 20-some-odd miles south, farther south, in Fort Myers. And it's left a a path of just incredible destruction. Now, as far as our home, for what it's worth in Florida, everything's fine. Power was off briefly for a time, but there's no damage there. They had a lot of rain and some light wind. My granddaughter and daughter are doing fine. They have electricity again. Uh, They were without for a while. Actually, my daughter, my granddaughter in Northport, 
believe it or not, never lost electricity, which is you know hard to believe, but it happened. There's a lot of flooding in that area, and I know Northport well. And so I know a lot of you were praying, were praying for people in the path, and, and now the time for, for first rescue and now moving into the recovery phase after such a storm as this. There's no doubt that Fort Myers will be forever changed because of this storm. What a lot of people don't realize, and I shared this the other day, if you go back, let's say 50 years ago, what was the population of the state of Florida 50 years ago compared to the population of the state of Florida today? And if memory serves me, it was, you know, around, what was it, six, seven million people in Florida in 1972, 50 years ago. And now it's like 23, almost 24 million people. It's almost four times the population today in Florida than it was just 50 years ago. Go back 30 years ago. Population has almost doubled in the last 25 to 30 years. And I can understand why. Baby boomers like myself and the group just ahead of me of baby boomers, I'm right in what's called the middle. I'm 1954. You know, the baby boomers are, you know, 46 to what, 1966. And many of us, well, I'm in the middle of it. Those that were born in the 1940s or early 50s are retiring. And there are many of us, and many of them have already moved, are moving to Florida if they haven't done so already. I know people that I've known for, for decades that have ended up in Florida. I know others that even in spite of the storm will be looking in the not-too-distant future to go to Florida, and I can understand why. No income tax and having a governor like Ron DeSantis and freedom is rather important to some people. I know Florida's gone through a lot of changes over the past 30 to 50 years. There was a time maybe 30 years ago, a community like, you know, Fort Lauderdale might have interested me. Not today, at least personally. I don't think I'd want to be there, but, you know, if God calls you somewhere, you go. There are places that I have been on the west coast of Florida that maybe back in 1998 looked rather attractive, but I'm wondering today, would it be a community that I would want to be living in personally myself? And my reasons would be, you know, it's getting too busy or the traffic or the cost of living. In some cases, even, you know, when you get to these urbanized areas, even crime become an issue. You know, when I first moved to Florida, I can remember, this is a quick little side story here. I didn't mean to get into this. My my wife and I had got a small house in a little older neighborhood built in the 1970s, about the time that I was graduating high school. So, you know, the house was at that point maybe eh, 25 or so years old. Just a little, you know, block home, typical Florida, small two-bedroom, two-little bath, little corner lot in a little community called Venice Gardens. 
and the homes were originally built for retirees moving from and here's where the here's where the state of Florida is kind of fascinating. People from the east coast of the United States, New York, New Jersey, what have you, they tend to go to the to the east coast following I-95. There are exceptions, I know. And people from the Midwest, and when I say the Midwest, I'm not talking so much Chicago. I'm talking more the rural areas of Illinois, the rural areas of Michigan, Indiana, western Ohio, all the farming regions, small-town America. They they tend to, to gravitate to the west coast of Florida. People who live in downstate New York tend to go to the East Coast. People in the upstate of New York, they kind of like the West Coast of Florida. It's it's more laid back. And when I lived in Florida, I, I ne- we never locked our doors in our community. Never never thought we needed to. Knew the neighbors. Everybody was so friendly, and with the neighborhood was so quiet. Everybody looked after each other. I can remember one day I was coming back from doing some ministry work along with helping to develop a church and a little bit of part-time broadcast engineering. I was a hospice chaplain. So I was coming home after visiting with some some people and, and I saw a deputy parked in the driveway of my neighbor kind of across the street from me, kind of catty corner across the street lived on a corner and and he, he kind of waved at me as I got out of my car I was wearing my you know I, I looked like a clergyman type at the time and he asked if I had seen the guy and I said you know I haven't seen him in several days now let me just give you the background the guy who was in his 90s living by himself in that neighborhood and his family from Michigan was trying to reach out and he was not answering his phone and so we kind of looked around and to be quite honest I helped the deputy break in and of course the guy had passed away sadly and and so in talking to a sheriff's deputy and detective just you know kind of putting together the scenario i asked the guy about the neighborhood and the and this and this this deputy and that well i should say this sheriff uh, the detective looked at me and said this is about as exciting as it gets in your neighborhood this is it and for the years that i lived there it pretty much was that way Great, great neighborhood. It was in it. It was in a change where younger families that were on tight budgets, you know, starting with their first child or so, were coming into the neighborhood, and so it was a really friendly and just a wonderful place to live. But even cities like Sarasota have grown and have changed in, in some ways, and and so I don't know. But right now, my heart goes out to all of those in a region to look to look at the pictures, to look at the the video of the destruction. And, and I know, I know deep inside, and I'm not minimizing this, don't get me wrong, that the media is going to look for the worst possible pictures to put up there. They're not going to show the homes that survived. They're not going to show the neighborhoods that came through with minor damage. They're going to show you and imply to you that everything within 100 miles of there is just wiped out and destroyed, which is not true. Then again, that's the tendency of the media. Look, there's no doubt that there's going to be billions upon billions of dollars in damage in Florida. Mega billions. 
And in some places, it's going to take years, years to rebuild, repair, and clean up. And some areas, it may become just self-evident with a 500-year flood like they experienced in certain parts of the state. You know, you just can't build here and use this anymore. We're going to have to rethink everything. And so Southwest Florida is about to go into a a complete and total rebuilding mode. Now, as I said, you know, my daughter, my granddaughter, her new child, they're, they're fine. And they're doing okay. But I have to think of those who have been terribly impacted by the storm. And we need to pray for them. There's, I mean, I, I look at what can I do? Well, I can give something. I can do what I can, but I can't do it all. All of us can do something. So that's where my heart is at right now. And like I say, to look at the pictures of places that I have been time and time again over the years, places that hold a special, well, special place in my heart. It's hard to look at those pictures and not feel the pain. Yet I know I'm not there. I could have been there. It could have been very possible at one time. I considered it. The offer had come to actually go to Fort Myers. And for all I know, that could have been where I stayed and stayed in ministry and radio and retired. And my life could be very different rebuilding in that part of Florida. But I'm not. I'm where God needs me to be right now in this work that I do in this radio program and some other ministries that I'm going to talk about a little later on the program today. Now, as far as the radio station, WRMI, and I know a lot of people are wondering what happened. Well, the main building did okay. Uh, the building is still full of transmitters, some that need some repair, some that are okay. But there's a 1,000 acres there, and on that 1,000 acres are many, many towers, lots of open transmission lines on telephone poles going to these towers, hundreds of phone poles. Many of them got knocked over in the wind. Some of the antennas are permanently damaged. There's some antennas that I doubt WRMI will opt to to try to repair. They're just not they're just not financially feasible in this day and age to do. So there's going to be some rethinking of what they can do, I know. And it puts a tremendous amount of stress on the staff that they have in dealing with it. I know on Saturday they were able to get the frequency 5950 back on the air. And this week, it is anticipated, God willing, they're going to get 9395 back on the air and 9455 back on the air because it seems that those lines suffered some of the least damage. And as they review what is happening and what needs to be done, I will keep you updated. Now, that presents a few challenges for me not just for this radio program, that's the least of my my worries, but in, in ways that I can help them. 
Remember, there are not that many people that work on this kind of equipment that are familiar with it or understand it. There are a lot of broadcast engineers out there that understand their solid-state little FMs and AMs, but they've never seen a monstrous unit like these. And the open transmission line and the towers and all the things that go with it. It is a legacy technology that there are fewer and fewer people that understand it. If I didn't have a very vital doctor appointment coming up at the end of this month, actually on the 1st of November, my wife and I would probably be preparing for a journey down to Florida. There are some things we need to be doing on our home there that my wife has been wanting to be down there to do, and I could spend you know several weeks helping them. I may wait till the beginning of November and still make that trip if needed. There's still some things we need to do on our home in Florida that we've been putting off. So this may be the time to do all of that. And so keep me in your prayers. It's not that we're wealthy and rich and all that. We have two houses. Don't ever think that. Um, you know, we are just blessed beyond words that we had a small investment that did well in, in, in something, then that, and that's why we have the homes that we do, and, and they're paid for. And so to maintain them is not that difficult to do. Even retired, you know, we have our retirement incomes. This radio show is not one of them, just so you know. And I've got a lot of things that I want to do. I turned 68 this year, and I, I, I still want to get so much done for the kingdom of, of our Lord. I'll be talking about that on the other side in a little bit, in the second half of the program. So radio is still a vital component, but there's there has been some major changes on that front in just the last couple of weeks. Besides what happened at WRMI, uh, because of the power situation and the cost of electricity, in California, KVOH has had to cut back on their schedule. Now, it, it helps us a little bit, too, because, you know, the amount that it was costing us to be on that station, it wasn't, well, it was okay, but it wasn't doing as well as I had hoped. So with our hours significantly cut back, we're only on Friday and Saturday nights on KVOH. And there was another radio station we were on in Utah. And I'll share this. A little over a year ago, about yeah, 15 months ago, a little radio station in Utah approached me wanting to know if I might be interested in airtime on this AM. And the, what they wanted to charge for an hour's broadcast was, was just incredibly reasonable. And I thought about it and I said, you know, this is something that I'm willing to invest in personally to do it. And I did. And I bought 18 months of airtime for next to nothing. And even though it has never really returned the investment in terms of financial, you know, returns, I believe that it impacted a number of individuals who have written me over time. Well, I got a very, very strange email on Friday that effective on the 1st, which was Saturday, this past Saturday, the radio station was going off the air and being sold, and they would eventually be refunding 
my last three months, which is October, November, December, that were prepaid. And and so I I don't know. I was just stunned. And, and I, I don't know the whole story. I'm going to try to find out. Um, I just hate it when a station like that that I think could provide such a good service. I know it's it's not a very heavily populated region. And I know the the economics are not good for stations like that. But but then again, it depends on what their cost of operation was. Did they have any staff? Probably not. And, and so that that location is gone. And so with all this that occurred, I started to think quite a bit about the future of this radio program with what happened at WRMI. Look how quickly so many of their, they have 14 transmitters at that building. And recently they've been using about 10 or 11 of them on a regular basis. Now they're down to one, hoping to get back to two, maybe three real soon. And there may need to be some real heavy rethinking of their plan going forward. There's only so much you can do. Let me explain something. A lot of people, why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? Unless you are in the business and you are having to pay the bills, it's kind of hard to understand that there's not an endless supply of money to run those facilities anymore. There's no subsidies. There's no parent corporation. These stations like WRMI are thoroughly dependent upon those that broadcast on their facility. And there are not as many people that do it today as did back in the day. Everybody is internet centric. And, you know, I, I, well, I have no issue with that. I believe in it personally. I really do. I also recognize something else. I need to be in as many locations as possible. Now, I've made a promise to you, and I still hold to this. Shortwave radio will always be a major component of this radio program. But in in retrospect, what has happened makes me have to think, what else can be done? What other shortwave stations are out there, number one, number two, would be affordable for this program? So, I mean, it's not that I have an endless supply of money. You know, people have suggested several stations, and I can tell you I'd like to do it, but honestly, right now, can't afford to do it. If I could invest, you know, if I had the the funds to invest for two or three months on a couple of those stations, maybe I would do it. Maybe then there would be a sufficient audience to help sustain the program. If there are enough people listening, even if they give small amounts, a program like this can be sustained. I just can't front it this go-round. I just can't. Uh, When you're retired like I am on a fixed income and with what the Biden people have done to our economy, it's not as easy as it was. And also income has gone down as a result of, of the economic turmoil created in Washington. And so we're feeling it too here at, at, at this radio program, just so you know. There's a lot of things we need to talk about, and a lot of things I want to share. And I, I don't, I've got a few news stories that I want to get into. Maybe I'll take the first five or six minutes after the break. I want to run down just a couple of stories 
and why they are important and why it means this program has got to continue reaching its niche. I don't look, I'm never going to be, you know, the one of the big time people on on iHeartRadio. I'm not going to be on hundreds of radio stations coast to coast in prime time with big dollars behind me. I'm not going to be like a Sean Hannity making millions of dollars a year doing three hours of radio and an hour of TV every day and taking one day a week off on average. I'm never going to be in that realm. But then again, I'm not driven in trying to create huge audience and profit. And let's be honest. A lot of the conservative programs that are out there are designed for one thing and one thing only, to generate a large audience to sustain large amounts of expensive advertising. And when you have large amounts of expensive advertising, it can restrict at times what you're allowed to say and not say. You know, I'm watching TV last night, and, and I saw one of these commercials come on, paid for with tax dollars on why everybody needs to get vaccinated you know with the boosters and and I'm listen I'm, I'm listening to this ad with a bunch of just cherry-picked quasi facts and I want to throw something in my TV set but I can't afford to replace the set if I break it you know, Nine out of ten people that died of the virus were over the age of 50. That's true. And 80-some-odd percent of those that died of the virus were over the age of 80. You ought to be able to figure out that if you're under the age of 75 or 80, um, your odds of dying of, of, of the coronavirus are pretty minuscule. If you're under the age of 30, really slight, if you're a kid, you have virtually no danger unless you have some really incredible problem like childhood leukemia, other life-threatening issues. And they want you to run out there and get this new vaccine that was tested on eight mice. The eight mice apparently didn't die, so you're not going to die either. But the eight mice, after being challenged with the variant <laughs> it's supposed to stop, they all got it. So what in the world is this vaccine doing except making Moderna and Pfizer wealthy? Not a whole lot. And I'm going to share one last thought. I'm not, I was going to do this on a program later this week. I may mention it tomorrow or Thursday or Friday. I don't know. Just depends. I talk to enough doctors and the consensus among those that are brave enough to be honest and not be feel like they're being held hostage to their, their licenses to their states or the hospitals which now bought out their practice and now their employees. And see, that's a dirty secret a lot of people don't understand. 40 years ago, 30 years ago, doctors were independent contractors that ran their own clinics and business to the best of their ability and they knew that you as a patient was you're also a client and if they don't treat you right you could find somebody else there was competition at one time today that's not the case these major corporations so-called not-for-profit jokes 
they buy up these doctors' clinics and they make them, you know, they make them an offer they can't refuse. And, and now they are basically, and we'll be talking about this week, you know, the problem with medicine today. And it's a huge problem. It's industrialized medicine designed to make a profit. They're not looking for cures, they're looking for customers. And the same is true with the big pharmaceutical industries. Okay, enough on that. Enough on that. We'll talk about it later this week. I've got a guest coming on tomorrow that you absolutely, I can't wait till you hear him. We recorded the program last week, the the interview. Uh, We planned on using it before, but with the storm, we decided to postpone airing it. It's tomorrow. You've got to hear the program. Trust me. And like I say, when I get back, I want to share two very quick stories and then some of the things that God has been laying on my heart about this radio program and other extremely important ministry aspects. We've got a wave of opportunity coming. We have a window that is about to open. And I don't want to be standing idly by when I can be doing work for God's kingdom. Now, as far as this radio program, keeping it on shortwave, expanding it to other areas, I really need your help. I really need your help. That's the only way to put it. If you believe in the work that we are doing here, and I'm going to be sharing some other aspects of other projects that are not being funded by your your giving to this ministry. They'll be funded separately, and I'll always be clear on that. But I want to share those in the next in the next segment. But for now, we really could use your help more today than ever before in our over two years on the air. And we have a really easy mailing address now. If you make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, that's Ancient Word Radio. And our mailing address, really easy, Post Office Box 510. Post Office Box 510. And the city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319, that zip code again, is 24319. Would you prayerfully consider what you could do? If everybody that listened to this program just online, just online, gave a small, very just a very small amount each month, you'd be surprised how far it would go. I know it's a difficult time financially, so I'm asking you a lot. But if you can, please do. And with that said, we will return on the other side of this break. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Missing Kippur coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year, the most critical, vital day in the Jewish calendar, on the biblical calendar, without any question, this is it, because it's the Day of Atonement. And without atonement, there's no anything. 
Now, for 2,000 years, it's been a problem. You see, Yom Kippur means, Yom means day, and Kippur is the covering or the atonement. For 2,000 years, we've had a Yom without a Kippur. We've had a day with no atonement because there's been no temple. Without a temple, there's no sacrifice. Without a sacrifice, there's no Yom Kippur. And without no Yom Kippur, without a Yom Kippur, there is no atonement at all. How can that be? Well, it means a lot. You see, there's no Kippur because the Kippur has moved on. It's gone forth. You see, in Daniel 9, it says Messiah will come and he will bring everlasting Kippur. He will bring the, the ultimate atonement, Kippur. So he has come and he has brought such a great atonement, Kippur, that it has broken out of the day. It's so big, it's broken out of the temple. It's gone across the world. And so the fact that the rabbis cannot find the Kippur is because you have it. And the missing Kippur is now yours. And that means a lot. That means you have the same right that the high priest had, even more. You can enter the, the veil, through the veil, to the Holy of Holies. It doesn't matter what you've done, how far from God you've been. You've got the missing Kippur. So enter into the veil, my friend. Come close to God. Draw near with confidence. You have the missing Kippur. Now. What if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God, a six-month supply for free? You can. Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamin supply for victorious walk with God, updates on Israel and prophecy, the incredible mystery of the temple doors. It's all free and you'll love it. How do you get it? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can actually spread salvation around the world for very little through shortwave radio from the the Arctic Circle to Israel. It's amazing. It's like sending a billion tracks around the planet. We do it every week. You can be part. You'll be blessed. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, 1111, Lodi, New Jersey, 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, Enter the Veil in Messiah. Hakipur Olam, the eternal atonement. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I mentioned I had a couple of stories that I wanted to share very quickly. This will just take a moment. And this explains really part of the reason that we do this program each and every day. And some of the challenges that not just this program, but many others like it, especially small operations where you know, we're just these voices crying in the wilderness are having to deal with. Now, we, we all see stories like this every day. You, you may watch one of the bigger news operations or listen to more popular talk show host. But this whole transgenderism stuff is just getting to the point of insanity. This is not even... You know, like a little bit of fringe out there. It's becoming mainstreamed and it's dangerous. You've got a situation in Vermont right now where a 14-year-old female student 
was dressing for a game in a school locker room when some trans-identifying boy entered the locker room. And she was not fully dressed. And she was, you know, a little bit upset about this. Of course, the trans boy, a boy pretending he's a girl when he's not, his DNA is not going to be a girl. He told the student, it's all fine. Don't worry about it. And he entered that locker room and he's just staring at all these girls that are getting dressed. This, my friends, is not normal. Yet who's in trouble? The boy claiming to be a girl? No, the girls that complained. The girls that complained are the ones that are in trouble. The mother of one of the students calls it voyeurism. And I have to agree, it is. And ask why she took issue with a trans-identifying student entering a bathroom. The female student answered, It's a dude. He's a boy. I don't care if he's on my team. He can join any team he wants. I don't care. But when I'm getting dressed or undressed and there's a male in the girls' locker room or in a bathroom with me, I am very uncomfortable. But see, we're being told now, we're being told now by school boards, one of the sickest groups in America today that have been, look, the satanic forces of this world want your children. They always have. Hitler wanted the youth. Mao Zedong wanted the youth. All despots want control of the youth. They have them so confused so scattered, so broken away from their parents and even their God. So who gets in trouble? The girls do. The girls do. You know, just because a boy wants to stare at undressing girls doesn't make him a female. I don't care what anybody says. Leah Thomas is not a girl. He's a dude. He was the guy swimming in Pennsylvania and broke all the records. This nonsense about pronouns and everything. Then you have school board after school board after school board demanding now teachers must use the pronouns of choice of their students. And then you have reprobate, satanically inspired, demonically possessed individuals. They can't wait to help your child determine that they're in the wrong body and help them go through a transformation. And they want them vaccinated too. Education today in way too much of the United States, the world obviously, has been co-opted by the most satanic and evil forces on the face of the earth. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And so who gets in trouble? Well, the girls that were complaining, they're banned from the locker room. They're banned from Vermont's Randolph High School because they dared complain that a boy was staring at them getting dressed and undressed in a girl's locker room. 
And this and this election here in the United States is coming down to the party that doesn't want to acknowledge insecure borders. They don't want to acknowledge runaway inflation. They don't want to acknowledge boys in girls' bathrooms. They don't want to acknowledge any of these issues. They want to keep dividing you. They want to ignore all of that, and all they want to talk about is abortion and January 6th. That's all they got, and we have to protect all those boys that really believe they're girls so they can go into the girls' locker room. This is all that they've got. And I look at states like New York, and I know people in upstate New York. I look at these polls about Kathy Hochul, you know, running for governor. How can she have a majority is the state that reprobate now? Is it that delusional? Is it that demonically possessed where the majority of people believe that everything that that woman has spouted out of her mouth, she's an evil woman? So is Nancy Pelosi. So are the girls in The View. I look at these states and I have to wonder, how in the world did a once great state like New York have over 50% of the people, 55, 56, according to polls, thinking that Kathy Hochul's a great governor. With crime through the roof, expenses out of, <laughs> insane. And destructive mandates and, tra- and all this kind of nonsense going on in the school system. And violence on the streets. See, this is why we do this radio program. This is why. We even see in states like Alabama, red states like Alabama, a Wallace State Community College history instructor is on administrative leave because of something that the school thought was an, just an offensive Facebook post. We can't have offensive Facebook post. And this is what this, this instructor at Wallace State Community College in Alabama wrote on their personal, personal Facebook page. Back on September 26, this professor, Leanne Currington, who's now on administrative leave, wrote the following. The devil's attacking our beautiful town of Coleman now, and the police chief is in on it. I heard he was a liberal, won't say exactly what she wrote, we need a rally by the you-know-what to put an end to this foolishness. Of course, it may be well attended, as all white liberal weirdos try to do on these kind of things. In other words, talking about a pride parade in a small Alabama town, and she disagrees with it, that's enough. That's enough to put her on administrative leave. You're not allowed to think for yourself. You have to have group mentality. And if you go outside of the reservation, they will crush you. Inevitably, they will crush you. We see it happening in schools all over. We see it happening everywhere. And see, social media. You know, you got, if you want to apply to some, you know, leftist school, they're going to look at your social media to make sure you think correctly. That's right. You have to be, you have to think 
the way they demand you think. This is no longer about rational thought. This is no longer about discussing issues. You are to be indoctrinated and believe one thing and one thing only. And if you don't, they will crush you. They will destroy you. And they will they will go through all of your social media. They'll put you under a microscope. You're not allowed to think for yourself anymore. In France right now, and this is coming to the United States too, the Ministry of the Economy in France wants access to real-time banking transactions of every French citizen. They want to know what you're spending your money on. They want to know if you're buying food or, or gasoline or something that they don't think is good for you, like, you know, beef. You know, those cows are killing the environment, destroying the ozone layer, whatever nonsense they got today. Or, no, it's it's all the, the methane emissions turning into CO2, blah, blah. It just never ends. And so banks, hey, the Biden administration, they would love to know... The idea of a digital currency, it's coming if we don't stop it. It's coming. You know, the Biden administration is beginning to force banks and other groups to report accounts that receive or have a balance. I mean, it means everything. They're trying to harvest data right now on every account worth more than $600 in a year. I mean, come on. That's everybody. They're putting a big wide net out and they're going to start scrutinizing, you know, those ammunition purchases. And then you got groups like PayPal. Now, sadly, you know, we started here using PayPal with this ministry and there are a few people that still use it. And I still have it. I've had it for years. But I'm looking at some of the upcoming restrictions that are making their way. And and so, I mean, I got this email the other day about a change of policy coming on November the 3rd. And and it's getting pretty serious. And so I'm going to probably be dumping PayPal before the end of October. They're deciding what you can talk about. They are getting away with it in other other nations. And if you have, let's say, a balance of $2,500 in PayPal and they decide that what you said is objectionable, they're going to steal your money and keep it. It's in their, <laughs> it's in their stuff. They're going to keep your money as a fine. And anything that involves, listen to this. Now, understand how broad this could be. In their new policy, this is what it prohibits. Anything that involves the sending, posting, or publication of any message, content, or materials that in PayPal's sole discretion, in other words, you can't even take them to court, that we consider harmful, obscene, harassing, or objectionable, okay, that incite hatred, oh, You don't believe that January 6th was an insurrection? That's hateful. And if you go against anybody's 
protected characteristics like sexual orientation or gender affirming. Or you promote vaccine misinformation or anything else they deem unfit for publication. Publication includes a radio program. PayPal PayPal suspends accounts. They take the money, but they never tell you why. They just say you, you violated part of the agreement. And so the time is coming that I'm going to have to say goodbye to PayPal. I can remember when I first got PayPal over 20 some odd years ago when my late wife used to do some stuff on eBay. It was just an easy way to get some things. I mean, evolutionary biologist Dr. Colin Wright, who was researching the differences between sexes, has been kicked off PayPal money taken. On and on it goes. Too much of the big tech industry is getting too dangerous and they want to now steal your money as a fine. They believe they have the right to be the only sole arbitrator of truth. And yet they have propagated more of the lies that are destroying our nation and world. And so I'm looking at, you know, there, for example, there, there are groups that have almost totally been pushed out of business because they're their model rely too much on PayPal. Well, well, thankfully, we don't rely much on it, uh, but we're going to make a change. And we already have. For example, we use Give, Send, Go. Now, that's a Christian crowdfunding organization. And I would rather, if you've used PayPal in the past, stop using it. Give, Send, Go is extremely easy, and I find it more user-friendly on my side than PayPal, just so you know. And I'd rather not worry about my content being considered, well, you talk about vaccine misinformation. You don't believe that that second graders can decide they're in the wrong body and they need life-transforming surgeries. You're an evil, hateful person. What do you mean you don't believe that there was an insurrection? In other words, if you don't agree with everything the left is demanding, they are going to crush you and they are going to take your money. Now, that brings me to a couple of other things that I want to just share with you that need to be understood. We, we realize that one of the beauties of being on shortwave is I don't have to deal with a lot of that censorship, at least at the stations that I'm on. The program is increasingly being heard as a podcast. Let me just make sure you understand this. This program is growing as a podcast, which is both good and bad. It depends on where you get the program. I push it out in two locations every day and sometime in late morning early afternoon the program is ready as a podcast to many of you that listen some listen on itunes some listen on google Podcasts. some listen on who knows what google is an evil corporation i mean once again they're doing the same thing they're deciding what is true or not true and they've been wrong every step of the way 
over the pandemic. And they're supposed to always be right and be treated as right. And they'll shut you down, take your stuff, kick you off their platform. Now, I, I'm glad that I'm on all these platforms and, and probably will be for a little while anyway. I'm beginning to develop some other platforms, and I'm going to be talking about that over the next week or two. There's a lot going on behind the scenes you haven't seen. People that I'm talking to, things that I'm building and developing, taking a lot of time and effort. I'm trying to develop streams that are not dependent upon like Amazon or Google or any big tech company where what I do will be far more difficult to shut down and also provide a platform for other small ministries that can't afford to be on the big boys that we can gather together and have a, I hate to use this term, but I'll use it for lack of a better one at the moment, a safe place to be that is not under the thumb of the demonic left. And so this is just one of the things that I, I, I really need to work on. And so I need your prayers. I got to be ready to travel probably in November, unless something maybe even before, I don't know. There's just so much going on. I wish I was in Florida right now because they really need the help. But I have to you know, finish out this health situation. I want to help that radio station get repaired as best as it can be. I need to be on other radio stations, God willing. And I need to finish developing this platform. And then I've got another part of my life. Yeah, I thought when I retired, I'd be you know, have an easy life. <laughs> well, I think I'm busier now than I was before I retired. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful God can still use me. But it's not all about me and what I'm trying to build. It's the things that I need to be doing to bring others that are younger into these ministries and into these works. Even this radio program someday is going to have to have a different host than me. It's just going to have to. At least make that transition. At least start other programs like this. That work has got to be done. Pray for me and once again, if you can help us stay on shortwave radio, make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. The mailing address is P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. If you'd like to help us in developing these other platforms, just make a notation. Use the word like platform on your check and I'll know what it's for and I'll be sharing a lot more it's it's being built as we speak and I can't wait till I can unveil it to you until tomorrow would you pray for us and this ministry I'd appreciate it so much this has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman to find out more visit our website Truth the number two and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.